God's capacity for mercy and forgiveness is reflected both in the story of Abraham's pleading to God and Jesus revealing God as an intimate parent, protector, and bringer of good gifts to our lives, even ones we don't expect. S.T. Cantor contrasts the Jewish Shema with the Lord's Prayer that Jesus teaches to his disciples in this sermon delivered at Church of Our Savior on July 29, 2007. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In our wonderful reading from Genesis today, Abraham pleads for the fate of Sodom. He cajoles God like a mischievous child asking for some special favor again and again, knowing that, in fact, his father will grant his wish. In six easy steps, God does agree to have mercy on the undeserving city. But Abraham mirrors our feelings about ourselves when we plead to God again and again to answer our prayers, even as we sometimes feel that there is perhaps not more than 10% that is truly good in us. And yet we ask and we receive. God plays the part of the ever-forgiving, the ever-giving Father. Abraham asks as we do, and Abraham receives. Well, in Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus, rather than giving the disciples the magic words that they seem to want, teaches them about the nature of the one they are praying to the nature of a perfect father. And in this prayer, it seems that hierarchy is really not the point. God is not even introduced as our father in heaven, but simply as our father. Now, we hear God referred to as our father so often that it's almost as if the meaning of calling God a father has been lost. But at the time that Jesus said that, it was really a very unusual way to address God. Lord, King, glorious, creator, almighty, all-powerful, those would have been much more familiar terms. And in fact, after Luke's prayer, a doxology was added, which is the one we're all familiar, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And that adds a little bit of what people might have thought was lacking in this very, very brief and spare prayer. But the point of the prayer seems to be that a father is the one who will never refuse you what you need. The one you can ultimately rely on with never a doubt. The one who will protect you and the one who will always forgive you no matter what. But when I thought about this, it made me reflect upon what Jesus' relationship with his earthly father, Joseph, must have been. And at first glance, I thought, maybe he had an amazing relationship with Joseph. Maybe Joseph was a father who never disappointed him, never betrayed him, never left him. Well, we don't know for sure, but what we do know is that Joseph was a human father, and to be human is to be imperfect. Now, it also may have been that Joseph's beginning with Jesus were not the smoothest. After all, he was something of a stepchild. 
And we also know that Jesus never said a single word about Joseph in all of the Gospels. Although what he did say about earthly fathers, I think, was kind of interesting. Early in Jesus' ministry, for instance, a young man approached Jesus wanting to follow him and be his disciples. And he said, Jesus, please let me go and bury my father first. And Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. And when criticizing the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus says, call no man your father on earth, for you have only one father, the one in heaven. This seems to be echoed in that spare prayer where he doesn't even designate our father in heaven, but simply our father. He also tells his disciples, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wives and children, brothers and sisters, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. And although Joseph is not mentioned at all by Jesus, Joseph seems to have been well known by the people who Jesus preached to. In the Gospel of John, the people seem to object to Jesus getting above his raisins, and they say to him, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? I guess it's possible that Joseph had died by the time that Jesus had his major ministry, and yet these people remembered Joseph very well. In the Gospel of John, in another scuffle with the Pharisees, Jesus confronts them with very strong language, saying, You are from your father, the devil, and you choose to do your father's desires. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So it is at least possible that Jesus' experience of earthly fathers was not entirely unblemished. The disciples asked Jesus for a set prayer one that might distinguish their faith from others. And they probably wanted one that was more grand than the one that Jesus offered them. Jesus gives them a prayer that stands in stark contrast to the one his father Joseph undoubtedly taught him. The ancient Hebrew Shema, drawn from Deuteronomy and Numbers. Now it was required that for all pious Jews, this prayer be said every morning and every evening, and it was specifically recommended that they teach it to their children. But the simple, brief text of the Lord's Prayer we read today seems almost comically short by contrast. It must have sounded to the disciples something like this. You want a prayer? Okay, pray like this. Dad, I hope your reign begins soon. Give us bread, forgive us, keep us from being tempted to do stupid things, that's it. There wasn't even an amen. In contrast, the Shema, the prayer Jesus had recited since boyhood, goes on for paragraphs and emphasizes keeping the Lord's commandments over and over again. And it's very specific about what will happen to us if we do not keep those commandments. A very strict disciplinarian father is depicted in this prayer. The blessings of the Lord, grain, wine, oil, rain on your fields, are highly conditional on the prayer following the commandments. If the commandments are not kept, the anger of the Lord will blaze against you, and he will close up the heavens, and you shall not have rain, and you shall perish from the good land the Lord has given you. The God of the Shema is clearly not the same loving father that Jesus describes, one who will forgive his child again and again, one who will always provide. Our beautiful psalm of today seems to provide a kind of a bridge between the God of the Shema and the God of the Lord's Prayer. 
The psalmist, cajoling God, sort of like Abraham did, recalls a time when God did forgive his people. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Paul's letter to the Colossians refers to Christ in the most mystical and holy of terms. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And then Paul shows us how this impacts on us lowly, needy humans. And dying and rising with Christ, you have come to fullness in him. Well, perhaps coming to fullness in him is knowing, having perfect faith, that when you ask, it shall be given to you. If you seek, you shall find. And if you knock, the door will be open to you. This is to know God as Jesus knows God, as a perfect father. We ask like a child. We seek like one who is lost. We knock like one who has no shelter. But with all these desperate needs, we know that we will be taken care of. But when we do manage to admit our vulnerability and get down on our knees and pray, what door will be open to us? It might not be the door that we have expected or prayed for. But Jesus has a genius for opening things. When he opens that door, he opens our eyes to God. He might even open our understanding to the Gospels, and he opens our hearts. He may even open our hearts and our minds to such an extent that when we see what is behind that unexpected door, we might come to accept it as well. We are all imperfect, needy, vulnerable, often lost, and we all need a father. But we all share that same fate of having human fathers, fathers who inevitably fail us in some way, fathers who may or may not have been ultimately forgiving. But Jesus opens our eyes to the possibility of having a father who will never forsake us, who will always forgive us. And he gives us the chance to forgive our own erring fathers as well. Jesus seems to love us all the more for our neediness and our humanness. And he even points out our little virtues, our tendency to care for and lovingly feed our children, And even if on occasion we can't even do that, if we can't be the father or the mother that we really should be, we know that there still is God's infinite mercy and forgiveness, and there is the chance to start again. Amen. listening to the sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 
388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot org We wish you God's peace and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.